Entrepreneur MBA podcast purpose is to help existing business owners grow their companies past the $10 million in revenue per year benchmark. Here is your host, Stephen Halasnik. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Halasnik, and I'm co-founder of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions uh, is... Uh, is a company that provides very easy to set up lines of credit for small businesses. And I will be your host for today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about a line of credit for your business, you can get a free quote to see if you qualify. Uh, it's easy. We don't run any credits. Uh, give you, you know, a strategic, a, a offer letter. It's having a line of credit is extremely valuable to any business. Even if you don't use it, it's just good to have a backup plan. It allows you to sleep at night. I've always had one for 30 years. Just visit our website at fscreditline.com. Again, that's FS as in financing solutions, creditline.com. So for those of you who don't know me, um, over the last 25 years, plus <laughs> after you say, after 25 years, you stop saying more. Um, I've built six companies in the $5 million to $25 million range, including two companies on the Inc. 500 fastest growing companies in the United States. I love learning from people with business experience. And today I'm very, very excited to be speaking with Himant uh, Varshney from Digicom. Um, Himant Varshney is the founder and CEO of Digicom and has 14 plus years of experience leading various teams in strategic business planning digital marketing, product development, and within large size Fortune 500 companies. Um, so, Himant, welcome to today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. Thanks for having me on, Stephen. Very excited to be here. So today's topic, um, you know, real life experiences of acquiring customers through social media. You know, again, the, you know, the thing that I kind of love is, is real life experiences because I think, you know, um, it's only through real life experiences that you really get to the nitty gritty of what works, what doesn't work. Because if you just read about it, it's kind of, you know, somebody has just read about it. They're just, they haven't tried and they haven't seen the real life example. So, you know, you've, you've kind of done this before with other companies uh, uh, at your agency, correct? Yeah. Um, so we run uh, a num we work with a number of different, um, partners and we run uh, paid advertising across a number of different social media platforms. Uh, but we also uh, acquire customers through Google, Bing. So really, you know, anything in the digital sphere. Are you allowed to say some of the companies that you work with? Yeah. Um, so uh, Umami Cart, uh, we work with OneSkin, HelloFresh, BarkBox, uh, Babbel, um, you know, to, to name a few, the Mayfair group, wildflower phone cases. Is, is, does it tend to be a, a vertical that your organization has specialized in? So I wouldn't say a vertical. Um, it's more e-commerce. Uh, you know, so if uh, our partners are uh, e-commerce brands, uh, you know, looking to drive sales online, uh, those are the types of partners that we typically work with. But, you know, generally speaking, uh, a lot of these businesses are already doing a couple million dollars uh, per year before they you know, engage us. Our goal is to take them from this like two, three, four million dollar a year to like 10, 15 million dollars a year. OK, so right off the bat, 
let's do a, a like a checklist of some of the highlights of the things that you've learned over what's the most important for customer acquisition yep. in social media. What's the number one most important thing that you've learned over these years? Uh so I mean that that's you know that's kind of challenging because it's important to have like a good brand, but I think more importantly, it's it's very important to have a good product but then there are other components right like how do you message the product how do you talk about its pricing um what are the reviews on the product uh so there's a lot of different components that make an e-commerce brand grow um you know i think it's it's more than just one one specific uh attribute of the business or the product okay I, I was going to say that what I thought was the one most important thing is measurement. Yeah. Um, you know, because if you, if you can't measure something, you can't tell that it's effective. And I know when I've worked with my digital agencies that I've worked with, you know, I'm all about, does this pay for itself? Yep. Do I make money? So the number one, now I find sometimes with social media, it's not always it's challenging sometimes to make sure you're it, that you are measure that you have a good measurement system. Um, have you found the clients that you work with are really hitting you up about measuring? Yeah. So we're very, very data driven. Um, no, we like to operate with uh, like a lot of transparency. So what do I mean by that? It's um, you know, we, our partners and us, we know every dollar we're spending where we're spending it. Uh, you know, breaking down if it's a specific audience, if it's a specific ad that's working a color way, you know, a, uh, a headline for each of the brands. So, yes, measurements, you know, very important uh, in terms of like what we do. There's an art and a science piece. So in the measurement is the science piece of, you know, which is half of essentially what we're doing. The other uh, the other half is the art piece where it's developing the creative, you know, um, providing the narrative of the brand and, and, and the story behind the products and the services. Um, so I think they both go hand in hand, but I do agree with you. Measurement, you know, it allows you to goal set. Um, if you are hitting the goals, then cool. What can you do to continue scaling? And if you're missing the goals, then what can you do to, um, you know, break down the data and get to goal or reforecast or understand like what is market actuality? Um, yeah, so I, I do agree with you there. Well, I mean, the only, I, I have done this for a long time and, uh, social media and various definitely generations. I, I would say is the, the only thing I would tell that I would add to what you're saying is, um, I don't care about all the data. I don't really care. You know, what I care about is, am I acquiring clients? And what I found in the past is the agencies I've worked with, they all throw this data stuff at me. Oh, these are how many people visited your website. This is how many people came through SEO. This is how many people did this. I, I'm like, I don't care. I really don't care about stuff, or that stuff. All I care about is how many of these clients, how many of these prospects end up being clients for me. Now, if you want to look at that other stuff, that's great. But, you know, um, have you found that some of your clients feel the same way? Yeah. And so when I'm speaking about measurement, uh, you know, and uh, data and analytics, I'm speaking specifically to driving acquisition. Um, so 
you know, for example, um, say you, you know, you have your website, right? And a hundred people hit your website, 50 people get to a product page, two people purchase, 2% purchase rate, right? Um, on the total number of people that hit your site. Um, that's an important measurement to look at. Uh, yep. and, the, and the reason why I, I call that out is, um, you know, the, the market average uh, conversion rate might be 6%. So we're, you know, we're, we're quite far behind. So it's like, what test can we, uh, what part of that funnel is underperforming? And then our goal is to come back to you and say, this is underperforming. Let's change the messaging. Let's change the layout of the page. Or there's this pop-up that, you know, that's so intrusive. And what, what we're seeing in the data is that when that pop-up comes up, we're losing 30% of the traffic, right? And that might have downstream impact. So um, I think all of that is connected now. When we're talking about, you know, um, just general traffic numbers, general traffic numbers, there, you know, there are, there are a lot of agencies and consultants and people that'll throw out these numbers. Um, really, to me, it's how do these traffic numbers impact, you know, our sales, our conversions, um, and not all traffic is equal either, right? So, like SEO traffic might be very different than. Uh, organic social traffic and paid social traffic. It's what traffic is driving conversion, where are we where are we converting, what product, what messaging. Um, and so leveraging the data allows us to figure that out, double down on it, and then you know continue scaling or pushing the avenues that are driving conversion. I, I like something you said before, and um, you said that six percent. Uh, um, I don't know if it's on average, but six percent um, of the people visiting a website convert. It depends on the industry, I know, but um, that. But what other uh, statistics like that stand yeah. out? Sure. So when we're looking at you know running ads, there are three core components. There's your cost to buy media, so it's usually measured in CPMs or CPC. Um, your cost per click, cost per month, uh, uh, cost per meal, um, cost per what? I'm sorry. Uh, meal. So, uh, cost per thousand impressions essentially. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then there's the click through rate, right? So the number of people that get served the ad, uh, and then the number of people click through. So the number of people click through divided by the number of people that got served the ad. And then you have your purchase rate, right? Or your conversion rate, which is the number of people that converted divided by the number of people that clicked. Um, if you're looking at these three core components, uh, you know, for, for your campaign, your activation, um, and it'll work different depending on the platform, but, you know, say we're on Meta, Facebook, Instagram, uh, we are a beauty brand, CPMs. I, you know, I know they'll range anywhere from like 18 bucks to 30 bucks. There are a couple brands that will be much higher, and their reasons for that are a little bit lower, um, but you know, generally speaking, eighteen to thirty bucks is where that CPM falls under. Click through rates uh, for a lot of these uh, beauty brands, you want to be at like 08 percent to like one point two percent, and then conversion rate between four and six percent. Like I, I very much know this because of the number of beauty brands you know I've I've worked with, and um, it there, there are times where your CPMs will go up because of market externalities or you know, it's Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and, you know, everybody is bidding on these audiences and competing against you. When that occurs, we have to make sure that click-through rate goes up. Uh, so how do we do that? Uh, ensuring, you know, 
we're bidding on, uh, we're targeting their correct audiences or testing through the correct audiences. We're looking at the creatives, looking at the distribution strategy um, or conversion rate, right? Like if, do, if we see a stark fall in conversion rate, well, why did that happen? Did the website break? Did tracking fall off? Like, you know, using these three indicators, we can understand what part of the funnel we need to focus on and improve so that we continue driving conversions and at an efficient level for the businesses we're working with. Is there, uh, is there a way that people can measure when, when people are coming back later um, and just typing in the website, you know, so it's a name branding thing where they actually didn't come to the ad anymore. They come back and they actually typed in the name of the website. Is there a way to measure that? Yeah, uh, Google Analytics is a great tool. Um, it'll give you new visitors, returning visitors, uh, you know, and then you can break down your funnel, the number of people that converted that are returning visitors. Yeah, I mean, I know they do that, but I mean, so let's say you, you have an engagement with a client. Yeah. The, the engagement's there for three months. They've run a social media campaign. They've run a digital marketing campaign, various different ways, SEO, whatever. Um, well, not SEO, because that's long-term, but... Um, a person reads about your, the, let's say it's hello fresh, right? They came for a specific beauty aid, but then they, they come back in later and they type in hellofresh.com. I think the answer to your, my question is going to be no, but they type in hellofresh.com nine months later. Yeah. And they, but they got, you know, you, they came from you originally because of the SEO, I'm sorry, correction, the, the, um, the social media, do they read the, are you able to measure that the person came from that campaign? Uh, okay. So if we, and it depends on the setup, right? Like, uh, it, cause each brand will do it a little bit different. Um, and you know, it just falls under the world of attribution. But, um, if we collected an email address of that user nine months ago and they come back and sign up with the same email address, like sign up then you can measure it um usually cookie windows are like 30 days you oh. know, for us to retarget and stuff it's a little longer um facebook allows like 180 days but it's hard to match that data overall yeah. but if you do have a phone number an email address or a login account um then yes you know you can uh as long as the database structure is set up so that we can see the last login prior or when that information is collected, you can cross-reference the information. So have you had clients that will evaluate you on your success and, and have used, that's a great way of looking at it. I like what you're saying, have used the email address or the, you know, nine months later to see of how effective you were. Yeah. So uh, what's, Actually, you know, with like a lot of the partners we're working with, it's about driving revenue now and hitting goals now. Uh, is there a halo impact? Yes. As you're scaling a brand, you know, and there's more awareness. But that, they typically won't measure that. It won't look at yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're not seeing that um, long term. It's more the now. Yeah. Are we hitting the numbers right now? And uh, what do we need to do to continue hitting the numbers in the next month or so? When you're working working with a client, I mean, let's face it, it's both your ability to be successful in what you do, but it's also the ability for that company 
to do what they do to be successful. So what have you seen in companies that you've worked with that have been very successful clients of yours? What do they do on their side that makes a big difference? Uh, so open communication and feedback loop. Uh, that's very, very important. And the reason why I bring that up is because we might identify certain parts of the funnel that need improvement. We might design it. We might put the flows together, um, you know, like the web flow, go from this page to this page. Um, but there's a, a core component of it where the client uh, and part of it is us educating the client on, you know, the challenges. But there's a core component of it where the client's like, oh, OK, I understand. We will make the change um, because on the marketing and the ad platform part, we, we have direct control. We can make all of the changes. But when it comes to a client's website or maybe the product pricing or something of that nature, it needs to be an open dialogue. If we can. If the, the partners where they're open to receiving this information and will allow us to test through these changes, um, we'll find a lot more success with versus like partners that, you know, maybe aren't open to suggestions or, um, yeah, I think that's really the biggest one. It's just like, you know, being aligned on the goal and being able to provide the information of, Hey, this is, if we improve this, this is what the numbers look like for us. Right. So, um, that's very important. You know, social media, certainly SEO and, and, uh, SEO and SEM have been around a long time. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's been around a long time. Social media, not as long, but certainly a long time. What are you seeing the new trends are in regards to advertising in, in, in either regards to platforms, integration, yep. complexity, what, what are you saying? So I think it breaks down. Okay. So from like uh, user experience perspective, uh, a lot more video, um, you know, more UGC influencer this, we've been going through the shift the last couple of years, but um, really it's important. Like a lot of brands think that, having a polished, perfect ad drive sales. We've run so many different tests and have case studies where uh, an ad shot on iPhone or a review about a customer talking about a product or a brand tends to outperform that, you know, that picture perfect creative or brand thing. So um, I would say, you know, uh, test UGC, uh, user generated content, um, IGC, uh, influencer generated content, uh, for your brand, usually to, we see solid click-through rates, uh, conversion rates, are, you know, really about matching with the right audience and, and uh, Webflow experience. And then um, the world has been shifting a lot more towards automation. So, you know, if someone enters their email address, are you sending them a welcome email? Are you, you know, following up with instructions of what your product is or your services? If someone purchases, is there a how-to guide if, you know, that's required? Um, that is very important kind of setting up these, these, uh, these automated flows, it saves team times, but really the end consumer can get much more educated about your product and the best ways to leverage it or your services. Um, and that's important, right? Because, uh, the more effective your product or services over time, like you'll get referrals, your end customer will be happy. If you're a subscription SaaS type of, you know, platform, uh, folks are going to stay on longer. So it helps with re uh, overall retention. 
what are you seeing? How, how do you think agencies that provide um, your service are changing now? So I think that's a kind of a, a little bit of a hard question. And, and there's a, like the reason why I bring that up is before we work with a partner, we are auditing agencies work or a consultant's work, right? And the primary reason is say uh, the client acquisition, to, the, a client can come to us and they're like, hey, we're at a $200 CPA right now. We need to get to $20. Um, the reason we audit the work is because we can figure out if that $20 is realistic or not. Um, when we audit the work, we can come back and say, Hey, client X, we can get you to $60, but you know, to make, uh, this business work at $20, we might want to consider unit economics or, uh, other parts of the business where we can drive like upsells and, you know, whatnot to support something that's around 60 bucks. Um, now, when we're auditing this work, it's typically from other agencies or consultants, and there are a lot of inconsistencies across so many different agencies um, or consultants because they're different schools of thought. But really, it comes down to the core setup of each campaign. And oftentimes, why we're winning the business is because they're not looking at the numbers or the core setup. It's just more of a set it and forget it. Um, versus like continuously working with the partner, talking to the partner in Slack every, you know, uh, once or twice a week uh, over a call, understanding where the business is and evolving that, uh, you know, marketing plan. And so um, the reason why I say it's a, it's a tough question is because there are a lot of agencies that to me aren't doing uh, their clients justice uh, because of either the set it and forget it or just not following up and providing the level of customer support and the data to back up, you know, what it takes, uh, providing that information uh, to the client of what it takes for them to be successful. So when you see that, um, let's give you the example like you use, which where it was a, uh, it was a $200 uh, CPM versus a $60 CPM, is what you're saying is that you think that the other agency has lost focus or uh, is not watching the client as much as they used to? Yeah, that so okay, I, I'll give you an example, right? Like, um, so client X has a target of 200. Uh, like right now, their CPAs, when we were speaking to them, they're like, we're at $250. When we ran the audit, they were at $800. So, um, you know, so they were uh, wrong. Well, they, they weren't correct. Yes. But, um, they were at three X, you know, what the, what the client had originally said to us. And then, um, we got this information through the audit, provided that information back clients. Like we need to be at a hundred dollars. Okay. At this point, the client has spent 50,000, $60,000 and half of that, uh, half of those dollars were, Spent on one ad, so twenty-five to thirty thousand dollars, driving in an eight hundred dollar CPA, right? Um, anybody that's like, uh, I guess, comes from like the growth discipline or really understands paid media for like acquisition. Um, if the ultimate target for that ad is a hundred dollars, 
we should not have spent more than $300 testing that ad. What ends up happening in this specific example is there's $25,000 to $30,000 spent against this ad, which is wasted media dollars. In that, With that twenty-five dollars to $30,000, we could have tested through 40 different ads, understood what creative is working, what headline is working, is it the audience? Like, There's so much more. Um, and to me, that's a big, you know, uh, uh, drop by that specific agency. It's like, how did we spend so much? Like, how did we even get to this point? Like, how did we even cross a few thousand dollars, let alone like $25,000, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Whenever, uh, you know, I've worked with agencies, I've worked with agencies, I've done it, we've done it on our own, we've, you know, gone back and forth. The thing that I see with agencies often is that they do a better job with A-B testing. They just do a lot of testing. You know, they do a nice job with that before they, you know, you really go to town. Um, I think when we've done it on our own, um, it we we have not been effective at doing a lot of testing. We kind of run with this one thing and, yeah. you know, just go and we evaluate it as we're going. But um, uh, so you... Um, are most of your clients people who um, have done all they they're they're outsourcing their their uh, digital um, marketing? Uh, so most of our clients, yeah, a good chunk of it, yes. But you know, it's always important to have that uh, one team member that's part of our clients, like internal team that understands growth and marketing. Sometimes it's the founders, um, you know, other times it's a consultant, uh, that we, you know, we'll work directly with. Um, and then, uh, there are also heads of growth. I think the partnerships with heads of growth or, or founders typically work pretty well for us in the sense where we can provide all the information and context as to the what and why and, there's understanding of, okay, you know, this is what we need to do so we can make those changes and keep helping them grow. Um, when we don't have uh, a contact that really understands digital, that's when it gets a little bit difficult because then that information, the way it's getting liaised back to the team, um, you know, uh, it's not always the correct information or just be, uh, or there might be things that are important that we're flagging might not be looked at as important just because they might not necessarily know, you know, the impact. So, um, yeah. I'm, I'm, a shot. I'm a little bit surprised there's people who are in marketing who still don't know digital. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, the thing is, though, uh, marketing is like a big umbrella, right? There's event, there's uh, design, yeah. there's... so. Someone might come in and say, hey, I know marketing and they've done event marketing, but never worked on anything in digital. And like even in digital, it breaks down. Right? There's like specific skill sets. So um, and founder might be like, hey, great. I don't have time for this. Uh, you know, event marketing manager, you uh, uh, manage this relationship. And so uh, that can also be that can become challenging. It's, it's not that they don't know marketing. It's just that the specific skill set or understanding, um, it's not always, you know, apples to apples. What's the trends with social media now, as far as success goes from a digital marketing standpoint versus, uh, you know, versus Google or search engines or whatever. 
So uh, trends, I mean, I'll, you know, from a platform perspective, uh, a lot of brands are getting on TikTok or have been. TikTok's been just growing at such an exponential rate. It's uh, unbelievable. Is it just uh, because TikTok is, it's because there's so many people on it? Or is it, is there, is it because it's, there's a, there's a, me, it's a medium that's geared well toward a certain um, product? There are a lot of people on it and that their technology is getting a lot more advanced. Um, so if you take like Meta's ad platform and compare it to like a Quora, Meta has an incredible ad platform targeting pixels. There's so much you can do on it um, to, uh, to narrow down your audience and, you know, get good user data because it's real people. There are other platforms where I kind of question is this traffic even real? Um uh, TikTok has been able, like a year and a half ago or a year ago, um, you know, when we were running TikTok ads, it was like, hey, these pixels aren't the best pixels because it's hard to track and measure for specific reasons, um, you know, with attribution. And a year later, it's almost just as good as Facebook. And Facebook's been doing this since like 2000, you know, eight, 2009. Um, and, and I think it's quite remarkable how much of an effective platform they've built out because there are other ad platforms uh, where they've been around for years. And, you know, for a, a, um, a D2C marketer, it's just their, their platforms still aren't great. It's all those other platforms are all geared around brand awareness, but TikTok's doing a great job. You know, they have solid engineering teams that are working towards solving problems for uh, direct to consumer marketers. What, what do you think about? Um, I'm a big YouTube user, so I, I haven't spent that much, hardly any time on TikTok. Um, so I can't really even do a comparison. What have you found from a a um, advertiser standpoint of the tools that YouTube gives? So uh, run a you know run a solid amount of ads across YouTube. I think YouTube does a great job with uh, awareness and product consideration. Um, it takes time to crack uh, the kind of conversion funnel um, on YouTube. And the reason why I say that it's because oftentimes on YouTube, we need content similar to TikTok, but the, the content on YouTube is usually, you know, a little bit more polished than what we'd see on TikTok. Um, and so brands will be like, hey, listen, let's let's run on YouTube. Cool. We have this one video. And the reality is we need to test through like 10, 15 different videos, right? Cut it up, have different hooks to figure out what actually converts on YouTube. And so the challenge on YouTube has always been there's not enough content. But with the partners that have supplied us with the content we need or allowed us to like edit their content so that, you know, we can create new iterations. Um, that's, those are the partners we've found success on YouTube. So I think YouTube's a great channel. It provides incredible, you know, awareness, uh, costs are pretty cheap comparative to like, say a uh, Facebook and TikTok from a CPM perspective. Uh, and we should be testing on YouTube, but if you're going to test on YouTube need, you know, like the strategy should be like testing 10 pieces of content, 15 pieces of content over like 30 to 45 days. Um, versus, Hey, we got these two or three ads and, you know, does YouTube work or not? Yeah. I have to start 
using TikTok a little more to stay current, not, not from an uh, advertising standpoint, just from a user standpoint, just like, so you know, see what they're doing. It's so much different than YouTube because YouTube now has minis and shorts and stuff shorts, like that yeah. too. So, um, yeah, it kind of reminds me of that when, you know, when Google and Bing were going at it a long time ago and, you know, Google was just getting so much better traffic than Bing, but yet Bing was a fraction of the cost. You know, it just kind of reminds me of TikTok and and YouTube now. You know, you, you, TikTok is the thousand pound gorilla, and YouTube is a lot cheaper. You know, but may not get the best results. But again, there's two different platforms. I mean, we, we do. I mean, where is TikTok headed? I mean, they. You know, yeah, they were the the head of the, the mini. Uh, video, so to speak, the short video. What where are they headed? So uh, I think, you know, I think what TikTok will eventually start to do is like increase their placements or create new placements. Um, so if you think about uh, what Instagram's done, right? Before it was just the Instagram uh, feed ad, right, and it was just a static. Then comes stories. Then there are uh, all of these uh, other placements like reels now, right? So um, I think as a kind of a next step, uh, TikTok is going to create new placements um, and uh, which will allow advertisers to find new ways to, you know, reach their, their target audiences um, on TikTok and also probably increase the time spent on the app. Um, with these kind of new placements. So I think that's where they're headed next in terms of what placements. Now, I'm, I'm not too sure, but I'm going to assume it's still going to be video-based um, placements. What if you, my last question. Um, so l- let's say you're dealing with a company that's been around a long time. Yep. Let's say... They just haven't felt that social media in the past has been there a good lead generation source for them. Mm-hmm. Maybe just because their product is not geared toward it. Yeah. And so they haven't now they they haven't done it in, you know, they're not doing it at all or not doing it very they're not spending much money on social media. Um do you think there's a that they should be? Uh, I know, you know, you'd say, well, it depends on the product, but then let's, I don't know. I don't know if we could just pick something, you know, but they're like, you know, I think we all get this pressure as business owners or leaders to, to social media, social media, social media. Right. And you're like, you know, I did that five years ago and it didn't work then. You know, what, what do you think? So I think, uh, you know, in, in that sense, it's important to have organic content, not necessarily paid, right? So um, say, uh, you know, it's an agency consultancy um, for business credit lines, right? Like uh, you can take your customer stories and just put it as organic content. You don't need, don't put money behind it. Just on social media, on social media. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because we're doing that now. We just, we're reintroducing all our content on LinkedIn again, you know, which, you know, just as, you know, not paying, paying, paying for pay, but we're taking all the nonprofit MBA podcasts. I just, I do two podcasts. I do the entrepreneur MBA podcast 
I'm doing a nonprofit MBA podcast. We're taking all that content now and putting it back on LinkedIn. Yeah. Not for our company, but just under podcast. But go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and the big reason why it's the clients that, so there might be a client where they'll see a reel or some of this repurposed content, right? Like an article or the podcast across LinkedIn and whatnot it creates a buzz. It's hard to measure. Um, but on the flip side, somebody who's like, Hey, listen, I want to work with company X and they're doing research on you and they see that, you know, you're staying current, you're providing testimonials or stories and showing you're a thought leader. Um, and if they compare that to a company that doesn't do any of these things, right. Um, probably more apt to work with you, right. Because the, you're, you're positioning yourself as the thought leader, uh, in that, uh, vertical or industry. And I think that that's helpful. It's like, uh, reviews, you know, having reviews, uh, but having this content where, like, we do a lot of this uh, at Digicom. It's less about selling. It's more about here's the tools you as a business owner, like, need to understand digital. Here's how your internal team can leverage it. If you have an internal team, here's what can give you some ideas. Um, you know, if you're working with an agency, here's other stuff you can talk to them about. Um, and what we'll find is it, it just starts conversations for us. Uh, or when we jump on calls uh, with new clients or existing clients, it's like, hey, yeah, we, we read this article or we saw this video, you know, was, I thought it was interesting. Or you guys are just putting content out there. It's, you know, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's a great comment. I uh, maybe we'll start moving it back to it a little bit more. Well, it's really good. I learned a lot. It was good stuff. Uh, you know, staying current on SEO, SEM, digital uh, marketing, social media, everything. I think it's so important for a business owner. Unfortunately, when you're a small business under 10 million, you don't have one, just one person who can do it for you. You got to stay on top of it as the business owner. What's going on now? Certainly, you can outsource it to somebody like Dig Digicom, which is, you know, always a great uh, thing to do. Um, so I'd like to thank so very much, uh, Himant uh, Varshney from uh, Digicom for coming on today's podcast. Um, and if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Please also give us a review on your podcast app if you liked today's podcast or any of the other ones. Um, and if you're interested in getting a line of credit, please visit our website at fscreditline.com. Again, that's financing solutions at fscreditline.com. And or give us a call at 862-207-4118. Uh, Hemant, uh, if uh, anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Sure. Um, check out our website. It's digicom.io or shoot me an email, uh, hamant at uh, digicom.io. Great. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So the thing, I think the biggest takeaway, uh, me personally, I got away, I got taken uh, that I, it was the last thing we talked about. I mean, I think we're, my company's probably going to move in that direction more. I know, like I said, we, we just are now starting to post more back on LinkedIn when we kind of got away from all our social media, we got a little frustrated with it. It wasn't really working. So, you know, now <clears throat> I think we're probably going to start posting more all, all of our because we are a thought leader in both um, our content, um, in both nonprofits and business leaders. We, we really do pr provide a lot of unique content. 
So um, I think we're going to start posting all that content back on our social media feeds. Uh, that makes complete sense. So that was like kind of one of my big takeaways. And then we talked a lot about measurements as well, which is always important. So it was all good stuff. I really enjoyed listening to um, today about what he suggested. Have a great day, everybody.